And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. For those of you on the outskirts of our listening area and get into Columbia City as well. All right. Um, what is the new COVID variant that everybody is talking about? Why is... Fauci coming out of the woodwork and telling you that we need to be really concerned about this. Why is the CDC telling you that there's been a a surge in new hospitalizations? And is any of that accurate or true? And the short answer to all of that is no. Um, I posted this on social media a little bit earlier today. I like doing this because for some strange reason, nobody in the news media does it. And I don't know why, because it's about the easiest thing for you to do. Every time the news media is running around and telling you that the latest variant of COVID is slaughtering little innocent children like lambs, all you have to do is go look at the dashboards. That's all you have to do, and the dashboards will give you the data. And I'm not even saying the dashboards are super accurate, but the dashboards are inflated, generally speaking. They usually correct them several months down the line, so the new data tends to be um, close-ish, but they've gotten a little bit better about getting those numbers somewhat accurate as things have kind of calm down but the truth is it's not really a concern at all Uh, if it somehow morphs and mutates and becomes a concern we'll certainly tell you that but i wanted to get into this because jesse waters had senator Rand paul on once again i feel like it's my obligation to remind everybody that senator paul is a doctor everybody forgets this but he is an actual medical doctor so when he speaks about covid He's not doing so as a libertarian-minded Republican. He's not doing so as, you know, a politician. He's doing so as a medical expert who has treated patients. And when you have Fauci going out there, now finally, Fauci did do one accurate thing here when he finally came out of the woodwork. Fauci did admit that the vaccines aren't very good at keeping you from getting COVID. So it, it took a long time for him to finally admit that, but he did finally admit that. I've had posts taken out off of social media. I've been censored on social media. I'm still being throttled on social media. I looked at the stats. I actually screenshot it because I'm going through and I'm basically deleting every post that I had on my Facebook page. Just, I'm just wiping it clean, which Facebook is not allowing me to really do. They, they allowed me to get back to the middle of 2019, and now they're really not letting me go any further. Very interesting stuff. But I went ahead and took some screenshots of my insights before I did that. You realize the last seven days of posts that I have put on Facebook. This is why you need to follow me on Truth Social and Telegrams where I'm active anyway. But the past seven days of posts on Facebook have had zero reach, meaning Facebook has not pushed them into anybody's newsfeed. Anybody who saw them actually came to my page. There's no syndication, no publication of any of my posts, including just the funny memes, which there's a couple of really good ones, um, and anything else. Keep in mind, I was on vacation. So I didn't do a lot. When I did post something to Facebook, most of it was kind of lighthearted stuff. And as I've said before, you know, people who do this professionally and have done this for a long time, we tend to know what our insights are supposed to look like. We know when to post, what our audience looks like, what type of reaction we'll get for certain types of content, especially when it's posted at certain times. And all of that completely changes when you see how they're censoring you. So the past seven days, nobody was fed a single post. So it's like, what else, you know, what else do you expect? It's, it's Facebook. So this is, if I go out there and I, I tell you on, on my Facebook page or anywhere else, you know, the main social media accounts, and I tell you that, look, this, this vaccine's clearly not 
stopping people from getting infected. You were taken down. You spread COVID misinformation. You were taken down. And it was only the unvaccinated who were getting infected. Remember that line? They, they ran with that line for how many months? It was a complete lie. They knew it was a lie. We ended up finding out that they knew it was a lie. We had the emails to prove that they were colluding with one another to go ahead and spread that lie. But that's what they did. So here we are once again. Yet another new variant that they are telling you to be afraid of. And Fauci's out there yesterday telling everybody, yeah, you need to be really concerned. CDC's talking about a surge in hospitalizations. Is any of that accurate? So here's Jesse Waters. He kind of does an intro here. Then he brings in Senator Paul. And I just wanted to play this for you on Fox News. Does this really need to be taken seriously, guys? A subvariant of the weakest variant that we all got? So it needs to be taken seriously. Everybody wants to put this pandemic behind us and feel and hope that it doesn't exist. It does. So my message right now is very simple. It's essential that these Americans, as Dr. Shaw said, get their second booster shot right away. And the media, they're in lockstep, hyperventilating over this new scary variant. Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra, who I had never even known existed until just now, said this. Uh, most everyone who's uh, an expert on pandemics and uh, uh, these viruses will tell you that strong chance that we see we'll see a resurgence of uh, the virus, whether it's the variants that we have now or new variants. Wait a second. Are mask mandates coming back? Lockdowns. Should we be prepared to pivot? If we do see a significant surge, particularly one that might result and increase hospitalizations, we have to be prepared to pivot and perhaps reinstitute some of those restrictions. I have a hunch we're going to hear about mass mail ballots right before the midterms. My next guest is no stranger to Dr. Fauci and all the so-called experts. Senator Rand Paul joins us now. So, Senator, what is going on with this new COVID-19 Omicron subvariant BA.5? Well, the one thing you didn't hear is, is it deadly? Is anybody going to the hospital? Do people actually know no. if they're ill who are getting this subvariant? No. There are statistics, and we should be honest with people. Omicron itself was about 90% less likely to put you in the hospital than the first variant, you know, from the wild type the year before. So if no one's telling you any information, how can you make any judgment other than the emotionalism and the sensationalism of the government? So instead of giving us facts, they give us sensationalism. One thing we do know, though, for those who are saying, oh, you need to take 25 boosters, we do know that the vaccine for Omicron was five times less likely to be effective than it was with the first initial virus. So one question you might ask these people that are telling you you have to get vaccinated and vaccinated and vaccinated, how come the flu vaccine changes every year and they're not willing to change this vaccine? Now, you might have me with an argument. I'll listen to you if you tell me we've got a new vaccine that actually has something to do with the current virus, but they're telling me they want me to take five, ten vaccines for a disease that we're now five or six or seven iterations away from the original virus. So these people should be discounted. They should be fired from office and largely ignored because they're just not honest people and they're not following the science. He's correct. Now, one of the questions that I was asking people, the Trishes of the world who would call my program, one of the questions that I would routinely ask them is if the original vaccines were so effective, then why were we developing new vaccines for all of these new subvariants? 
if the original vaccine was effective against, particularly this is happening with Delta. So when the Delta variant hit, which for the record was less deadly than the original wild variants. It's just that it infected far more people. And as a result, you had more deaths from the Delta variant because it infected so much more people. But its ratio of mortality was actually far better than the wild variants. But one of the questions I would ask people, like, uh, you know, I pick on Trisha, but she she called and she still hasn't called to apologize to me for being right. Why is it if the original vaccines were effective against Delta, why were they bothering to spend so much money, time and effort developing a new Delta variant vaccine? Which never got to market, by the way. What was the point of that? As I've told you from the very beginning, a lot of this is busy work because, you know, public officials can't be seen to not make a decision because then they're just sitting there going, ah, we don't know what to do. And that's a losing situation for them to be in. So they just have to have busy work and and do things. The problem is that when that busy work potentially starts causing harm, you start running into some real issues. And he went on to, you know, explain some of this stuff in more detail. I'll link to the entire interview segment with Senator Paul in the Daily Show prep today. But I wanted to go ahead and give you some some numbers on what we're actually dealing with over the past 90 days and, of course, throughout the uh, the history. I posted this on social media. We'll give you some of those numbers coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. All right, let's just continue this discussion for a little bit. They're trying to scare you with the COVID variants here. They're um, they're actually going out there and telling you that we might go into lockdowns again. We might have to see some of this stuff. Of course, we're coming into the midterms. We told you that they're going to play this game as much as they possibly can. I don't think it's going to work anymore. I don't really see many people who are afraid. The people who are still afraid, are they stick out like a sore thumb. My wife and I, just a couple of weeks ago, we were having lunch and this was uh, across from uh, Heritage Square in that, um, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the Bar Louie. We're in Bar Louie. And we were on the balcony. And, of course, Bar Louie is, you know, it overlooks the parking lot of that apartment complex there. There was somebody driving around in their car with their window down wearing a mask. Like, this is not how any of this works, okay? <laughs> not how any of it works. I was at Costco the other day. The entire family had masks on, including all of their kids, like three or four kids. They all had masks on. Uh, so you know that they were forced to do it because of their their parents. It's just, you know, it, and again, it, maybe there's some immunocompromised people out there. I don't know, but cloth masks don't do anything against an airborne virus anyway, but I digress. So you, you, see, you see this stuff, but they stick out like a sore thumb now. Nobody in this area certainly is even afraid of this anymore. I would assume that most people in places like New York and California aren't afraid of it either, even though they're more likely uh, to be a little totalitarian and try to force you to do things just for compliance purposes. And as we've highlighted before, you know, wearing one, wearing a mask or, or, you know, being a vaccine advocate is more about politics now and virtue signaling than actually doing anything. So I went ahead and as they're scaring you and their Fauci's out there talking about lockdowns again, and you assume as Jesse Waters just uh, made a guess that we're going to see, you know, a big push for mail-in ballots and all that stuff. That ain't going to work this time around. The laws have changed in in more than half of the country. That's not going to work, okay? So I went ahead and did what most people in the news media have failed to do over the past three years or so, is I actually went and looked at the data, which you can do. Johns Hopkins is continuing their updated dashboard. 
They update it every day, just uh, just like they used to. A lot of dashboards that used to exist are not really around anymore. Most people have kind of moved on with their lives. But the Johns Hopkins dashboard is still active. And it's a great source of data. It's not the easiest to navigate, which is why I took screenshots of the graphs that I just pulled from their website this afternoon. Now, this is only about deaths, okay? I wanted to pull the deaths, and what I can do is I can compare all time in the United States, and I can also compare the last 90 days to tell you what's happening with COVID. So if we look at the all-time deaths, as we know, there's been waves. Uh, so if you look at this, it's been one, two, three, there's been four waves in COVID, okay, where the death rate, you know, well, not rate, but death, death number shot up. So you got the initial one, it came back down, had that big one with Delta, came back down, another increase, another increase, that sort of thing. And we are at, again, levels that are lower than they were in July of 2020. That's how low we are in deaths. There are not that many people dying from COVID, I should say with COVID. Uh, For example, uh, I think there was what, two, there's 444 people who, who died with COVID uh, two days ago in, in the entire United States. Now that's not from COVID this is with COVID. Okay. Very important distinction that has to be, has to be mentioned. So not, not a lot, not saying that their lives aren't valuable. I'm not saying that it isn't tragic. A lot of them are still holdover from, you know, some of the previous variants. We've had a lot of doctors kind of convey that information to us. Um, and you've got immunocompromised people. You have people who died with COVID, but died from something else to get counted into this stuff. Now, if you look at the last 90 days, that's all time. But if you look at the last 90 days, and I know that this is, we're on radio. For those of you watching the live stream, I can't share this screen monitor with you on the live stream. Um, But this is, if you look at the last 90 days, for 90 days, ladies and gentlemen, the number of deaths per day has been flat. There is no peak. There's no valley. It is flat, which means for the past three months, the roughly the same amount of people pass away and there's no change not with any new sub variants not with uh, any new hospitalizations or anything like that it is it is purely a flat line I mean it is actually quite staggering it was pretty low in the middle of of uh, well about two weeks ago it was pretty low and then it's kind of come back up to where it has been that's again it's a great sign this is a great sign and if you go and you look at the, the stuff that I posted, I'll put this in the Daily Show prep as well. But if you look at the stuff that I post on social media, on Truth Social, at Casey the Host, you can see these graphics. And they're pulled from today. They're, they're current data that is available. And if you look at it, you will see crystal clear that people just are not dying from COVID anymore, thank God. And nor do we want them to die from COVID. We are having a slight, slight, slight increase in hospitalizations. Not a big one. Not even remotely close. Uh, if you look at the all-time data for hospitalizations, we are way low. Uh, if you look at the past 90 days, it's a slight incline. But we also know that a lot of people, when they get COVID, are just going to the hospital now. And that was something that kind of happened after after the uh, the Delta wave kind of calmed down is when people get COVID, they just kind of go to the hospital. They think they can get medicine there and that sort of thing, even though they're not hospitalized because of COVID. And we have always parsed out those numbers for everybody, hospitalized with COVID versus those who are hospitalized because of COVID. And those who are hospitalized because of COVID are extremely rare. Uh, But people are getting more medical procedures taken care of right now. And if they're in the facility, they catch COVID at the facility. Or if they're in the facility and 
and uh, maybe they check in and they do the test. And of course, they, they come up positive. They get counted as a COVID hospitalization. Um, and that all goes into the numbers, which is why it's always important to kind of parse these things out. Like I said, every every life is precious and valuable. I'm not trying to, to minimize that in any, any way, shape or form. But at the same time, thank God, people are not dying from COVID anymore in any large number. More people are dying in, you know, three American cities from from gang violence every single Saturday night than are dying from COVID every single month. And we're starting to see, well, maybe not every month, every week. Okay, So we're starting to see, you know, again, just this kind of normalization pattern here. If you go back and you look at the seasonal flu over the past couple of years before COVID hit, again, you're going to start to see numbers that were a lot worse um, when we're getting into that data. We had two really, really bad flu seasons uh, before COVID hit. But it's just not a concern. And when you have people like Fauci and, you know, other people in the news media like MSNBC and CNN going out there and telling you, hey, we might have to go into lockdowns again. And this is a real concern. There isn't any massive spike that has happened. If you look at even the number of people who are hospitalized with COVID is a very gradual incline. There's no spike at all. It just doesn't exist. This is all available. Johns Hopkins has it. Google has it. The CDC has it. You can go look at any of their dashboards. They all line up pretty close to one another. And again, just understand the current data usually gets kind of revised downward these days. It used to get revised up a little bit and then revised down shortly after that. Now it's just basically getting revised down. But it's more accurate than it used to be. And there just isn't a concern. Not now. If that changes, we will tell you. But remember, viruses are going to continue to mutate. And they're going to adapt to not kill their hosts. Killing their hosts is a bad thing. Viruses don't want to kill their hosts. So they will continue to advance. As we told you, like four months into this, that we there's that doctor conference that I was allowed to listen in on. And the consensus there in the medical professionals was that COVID was going to evolve into a seasonal virus. And it was going to become much more infectious, but far less deadly. And that is exactly what has happened. So the medical community, again, full of a bunch of doctors have been censored on social media and that sort of stuff, got it right early on. Dr. Fauci has had it wrong the entire time. Dr. Rand Paul, U.S. Senator, he got it right early on. His treatment methods, the methods he he told people to avoid in his private conversations with Fauci, in these closed-door hearings and things like that that you didn't even hear about until months later, Rand Paul was right and Fauci was wrong about all of this. And there are still people who want to dismiss Rand Paul when Rand Paul gives you his, his medical expertise, which, again, this his whole family, they're, they're all doctors. So they have some experience here. Um, but is there anything to be concerned about? If you have a comorbidity, you always need to just take extra precautions because you have a comorbidity. If you are a healthy individual, you have really not much to worry about at all. Uh, the new BA, BA5 variant or whatever they're calling it now, which they've been trying to scare you about for several months Suddenly it's back again. It's the same variant, BA5. It's the same exact variant that I was making fun of uh, using Star Wars references several months ago before Ben even joined the program, guys. It's the same exact subvariant. It isn't causing any serious damage. It, it, if it was going to cause damage, it would have happened a long, long time ago. And it's just not. So I don't know what else to tell you. Um, there is a line of thinking that as we get into fall and we get into winter, there will be a spike. And that's what people are worried about. That's where a lot of this is coming from. And yes, they're exploiting it for political reasons. But there isn't any data out there that seems to suggest that there is a a wide, dangerous risk to anybody at this point in time. 
MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. Now, one of the things that I do during some of my commercial breaks on the live stream is I'll play, like, videos. And uh, Fleckus Talks has these really good man-on-the-street videos where they talk to the youth. And (laughs) watching all of your reactions to everybody's ridiculous answers to some of these basic questions like, what continent are we on right now? And having, you know, a college student go, what is a continent? (laughs) These are, these, look, there's a lot of you that don't have any faith in the future, but again, they're amusing, they're entertaining, but they're also enlightening. Definitely check out the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. All right. I want to go over a couple of things here with, Joe Biden. But I really wanted to talk about the Associated Press here. This is interesting. As most of you know, I told you a while ago that they were going to try and take credit and give Joe Biden credit for what was happening with the oil boom in Montana, which is, of course, happening in spite of federal oil policy. Montana basically did what was done under the Obama administration when Obama dried up the oil fields and didn't allow any drilling or exploration on federal land. Several states stepped up, and you had the Dakotas kind of step up big time in the Obama era and say, you can come here. Well, Montana's doing it. There's a a big, big um, uh, cache of oil that was found in Montana, and as a result, they started to develop that. And I told you that there was going to come a time where they were going to say that this— This is Joe Biden's doing. He's going to get credit for this, that sort of stuff, which, of course, I told you not to let them do. This is all happening in spite of his policies, not because of them. And I also told you that the refineries, as they were bringing people back and they were ramping up uh, their capacity to refine oil, that we were going to start to see some fluctuation in the gas price. But it wasn't going to get down, not under Joe Biden. It's not going to get back down to the twos and things like that. He doesn't have an energy policy that is conducive to that. In fact, he just did some anti-energy stuff again last week when I was on vacation. Haven't had a chance to get to that again this week. So the Associated Press um, has been writing that, you know, the gas prices has fallen. And it has. It's fallen. We expected it to fall. The refineries were increasing capacity. You had new supply coming in from the private drilling that was happening in Montana. And we expected that to happen. And I told you it's just going to take a couple of months to get there. And that's exactly what's happening here. But the Associated Press chose to use a very interesting word They said the average U.S. price of regular grade gasoline plunged. Does anybody out there think that the price of gasoline plunged? Because I I, and I realize that you're not I'm not going to get a lot of sympathy from some of you out there. But it took me over fifty dollars again, even with it being Costco gas and sub sub five dollars because Costco is like 40 cents cheaper than everywhere else. uh, It still took me over fifty dollars to fill up my gas tank. and It used to take me twenty five. So. And I, I know that there's some of you out there spending hundreds of dollars every time you fill up. I get it. All right. I get it. But I'm still paying twice as much for gas as I was. So when the Associated Press uses language like plunged 19 cents over the past two weeks, what are you talking about plunged? It just plunged from a record high, but it didn't even plunge. It just kind of tickled down from a tickled, <laughs> kind of trickled down from a record high. It hasn't plunged anything. If you go back before Biden, we're still talking about extraordinarily historically high gas prices. 
But it is pretty interesting to watch them use this type of language. And, and of course, they're getting dragged for this, as they should. So here is Twitchy.com from the Associated Press. Assuming oil prices do not shoot up from here, motorists may see prices drop another 10 to 20 cents as the oil price cuts continue making their way to street level. The average price at the pump is down 24 cents over the past month, but it's $1.66 higher than it was one year ago. And I do I need to remind everybody that a year ago it was still really high? Do I need to remind everybody about that? Friendly reminder, July of Joe Biden's first year in office, which is a year ago, was already at a seven-year record, well, not record high, but a seven-year high for gasoline. So it was higher in July of Joe Biden's first year in office than it was at any point in Trump's presidency. Just wanted to point that out. So then, of course, Twitchy asked, well, what about two years ago? Nationwide, the highest average price for regular grade was uh, in San Francisco Bay Area at $6.14 per gallon. The lowest average was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, $4.19 per gallon. According to the survey, the average price of diesel dropped $0.13 since June 24th uh, to $5.76 a gallon. And again, they keep saying plunged. There is no plunge. They've come down a little bit. There's a slight market correction, but that's it. Now we get the news as on Monday. What is it, Wednesday? It's just Wednesday, right? I'm losing track of time my first week back after vacation. So less than three days ago, the White House was actually bragging about inflation in the economy on Monday. And what did we find out now? Inflation is worse than we were expecting. It rose to 9.1%. That's not good. Remember, every time inflation goes up, any price drop is mitigated by the inflation of that particular product. This is just the overall inflation is 9.1%, which is terrible. This is, again, another, I don't know how many times, Joe Biden has to have the record for the most record high inflation rates because he breaks the inflation record, the 40-year record, every single month. Every single month. Inflation in the United States already at 40-year highs rose to an annual rate of 9.1% in June. And again, we we had a 40-year high in inflation his first year in office. Before Ukraine and anything else. We talked about that before. The Department of Labor uh, confirmed all of this on Wednesday. This is the highest rate since 1981. 1981. When were you born, Ben? 97. Ben was born in 1997. He's never come close to seeing inflation this high. Uh, Compared with a month earlier. You know what's funny? Can we sidebar? Do you mind if I talk about the grocery store thing? Okay. Sidebar. (laughs) He's a young guy, right? And he lives on his own. He doesn't spend much on food. And he's he was telling me that he shops at a local grocery store, which is well known to be cheaper than almost everywhere else on a regular basis. And I'm like, well, yeah, at least, you know, the, the food's cheap over there. And he's like, I, I pay, what'd you say, pay 70 bucks for something? 90. You pay $90. You pay $90 for groceries. And he's like, that's insane. I'm like, yeah, but what would it have been at every other grocery store that you went to? I mean, if it was $90 there, this particular store, it was probably $140, $150 at the other ones. And, you know, he's a young guy starting off in life, doesn't make a lot of money, and he's by himself. And he's he's got ninety dollar grocery bills. How much? How how long will that food last you? Uh, about half a 
week. About a half a week. He's spending ninety bucks. And all I, all I, I'm begging for the days that I had two hundred dollar grocery bills. I'm begging for those days. Like, please bring those back. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I will say though, um, this is a shout out to a non endorsement business that we have that my family just loves. Um, Martin's Butchers in Wakarusa, and this is not affiliated with a grocery store at all. They are so awesome. First of all, their meat is amazing, and their prices are better than anywhere else that I have found. And I get a a particular meat pack over there that I've gotten for years. And when I was on the carnivore diet, this is what I lived off of. And I called them up because I hadn't had meat from them in a few months. I called them up and I was like, so how much did your prices go up? They gave me the price. It had only gone up 20 bucks for the entire meat pack. Now, this loads my entire outdoor freezer. I have a special outdoor freezer for just like my meat. That's not family meat. This is my meat. And it has only gone up 20 bucks. You can still get affordable meat. You're probably not going to find it in grocery stores, but you can still get it. It's out there. But, I mean, yeah, just (laughs) I wish I had a $200 grocery bill every two weeks. Uh, Right now we're running three to four, I think. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But uh, 9.1% in June was the the interest rate here. Or the, uh, excuse me, the inflation rate, not interest rate. Now, this has obviously led to even more people saying, hey, um, we need Joe to go, which is something we've been tracking since I got back from vacation on Monday. And there is a liberal group who has been formed with the express purpose of preventing Joe Biden from running for reelection. We're going to talk about that next on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. So inflation is uh, 9.1% for the month of June. Again, another 40-year high as Biden continues to break all of the wrong records. As I said, was it yesterday I said that he's going to go down as worse than Jimmy Carter? He is. Uh, there's. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, Joe Biden is worse on foreign policy, and that's virtually impossible to be worse than Jimmy Carter on foreign policy. Um, He's worse on the economy, I think. (laughs) And then you've got all of his personal corruption and stuff like that that he didn't have with Jimmy Carter. And I can tell you this, whether you know a lot about the Hunter Biden stuff or not, the 4chan hack is real. It has been corroborated. It has been confirmed. You can look at the videos that have been leaked, the images that have been leaked. That is Hunter Biden. Uh, period, end of story. And it's not pleasant, not pleasant at all. Listener did call us up just a couple of minutes ago. It says State Road 17 to State Road 19 westbound. It is backed up a lot. They don't really know what's going on yet, so I wanted to give you that warning. Thank you for calling that in. We do appreciate those traffic tips. So there is a influential left-wing organization. They're launching a campaign to prevent Joe Biden from being the nominee for president in 2024. Now, there's a part of me that is sitting here and just going, you all wanted him. You were told that this was going to happen. He told you he was going to do this. We've played you the montages of him saying, I'm going to go to war with the oil companies. I'm not going to work with them at all. I We're not going to do any new drilling at all. It's going to stop. That's what he said in his debate with Bernie Sanders. There's going to be no drilling. It's going to stop. Okay. Well, what do you think you get with that? Then you throw on there trillions of dollars in in additional spending beyond the COVID spending. 
Um, and you're you're gonna you have a recipe for disaster. You have a recipe for disaster. And we already knew whoever was going to be the president this term anyway was going to have to deal with inflation. But this is really, really bad. And all of the policies that Biden is pushing is making it worse. Okay. It probably would have been better for Democrats to let Trump get into office and then argue the inflation that was going to come because of Keynesian economics, because of COVID shutdowns, even though in large part that was because of blue state governors and mayors. Not entirely, but it would have been better for them politically to just make the case that any inflation, which I don't think would have been anywhere near this, we've probably been four, four, four and a half percent. I think that was the predictions. Anybody at three, three to four percent was generally speaking going to be what we're going to be dealing with with inflation with the Keynesian policies of COVID. Um, but again, he was also a strong economic leader, and the economy could have could have made that inflation less painful. Don't know, but they could have at least made the case that Trump was responsible for for inflation. They can't now. It's, it's all on them. And as a result, you're getting Roots Action. So Roots Action, according to Politico, has started a website, don'trunjoe.org. And it is all designed to prevent Joe Biden from getting elected under the, and I quote, the threat of a neo-fascist GOP. <laughs> Joe Biden is so bad at his job that we need a new candidate otherwise the neo-fascist GOP is gonna win imagine making the case that your guy sucks horribly but you you need somebody else who isn't at least evil to take his place that's where they're operating right now they don't know what to do folks they really truly don't know what to do Truth Social at Casey the Host rumble.com slash Casey the Host watch the live stream and hang out with us And again, you can uh, check out the new website, btmedia.news. Something happens on my live stream, and I don't know why. A couple of days ago, Monday, I think was the day that I came back, my live stream descended into a conversation. And it's always funny this way. It's this way with radio, too. But it descended into a conversation about food, and it turned into a bunch of people ended up going to, like, IHOP or something like that. Uh, because we were talking about pancakes and, and a bunch of other stuff. It has now descended into uh, what people put on their tacos. So I figured I might as well ask, Ben, what do you put on your tacos? What do you like on your tacos? If you could put anything on them, what would you put on them? Besides, okay, hot sauce and? Do you like wait, beef tacos? Do you like chicken tacos, fish tacos, shrimp tacos? What do you like? Fish, fish tacos with hot sauce. What else? Ketchup and mayonnaise with the hot sauce on your fish tacos. No, no, you're making a taco. What do you put on your taco? Um, yeah, I'm weird. Yeah, that that sounds that sounds vomit inducing. Uh, <laughs> that's that is terrible. My my wife makes these most. It, it, I I don't even know how to describe. It. She could open a food truck with the uh, the Southwest seafood tacos that she makes they're that good and so those are a bit different than my normal tacos but yeah you got a bunch of people <laughs> yeah reactions to that are um they're they're strong uh there's a strong strong anti-ben sentiment happening right now in the live stream for that 
God. Um, but yeah, so I guess somebody's making tacos and they decided to ask everybody in the live stream what they put on their tacos. So we've got steak, we've got pie, we've got uh, <laughs> we've got normal stuff, a lot of Cholula sauce, a lot of Cholula good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah, some pretty good things. If you're interested in joining that debate, go to rumble.com slash Casey the host, go into the live chat section, the Rumble Rants, and engage in that conversation and debate with everybody else. Fight to the death for who has the best taco toppings. Uh, State Road 17, State Road 19 westbound. Again, traffic is backed up there, according to listeners, so you might want to find an alternate route. And uh, if you have any additional information on that, let us know. All right, what do we got here? Okay, this this story here. Joe Biden pushed this, and I felt that we needed we needed to talk about this. This uh, it, I'm routinely telling you to take a step back. When you hear something, just take a step back. Don't react to it viscerally. Take a step back. Look at it. Go, does any of this make sense? And if it doesn't make sense, it's probably bullcrap. And a lot of the stuff that you hear is bullcrap. And I'm talking about stuff that comes from, you know, the media, stuff that comes from radio talk show hosts, stuff that comes from from politicians. That stuff is a lot of it is bullcrap. You got to take a step back and figure out what is what is plausible and what seems just completely ridiculous. Right. So there's this story out there about a 10 year old pregnant girl. Okay. And apparently this 10 year old pregnant girl had to leave Ohio and come to Indiana for an abortion. And this is a story that Joe Biden has told several times. And the story has gone viral multiple times before. I've heard it before, but because of Roe v. Wade, this becomes like a major issue. So redstate.com wrote, in the wake of the Roe v. Wade being overturned, a viral story about a 10-year-old girl in Ohio being raped, impregnated, and unable to obtain an abortion spread like wildfire across the political sphere. Major news networks covered his truth, despite the fact that it was single sourced account from an abortion doctor who provided absolutely zero corroborating details. Okay, the story was then used as proof of how harmful Republican abortion bans are to the point that even Joe Biden got in on the act. The former vice president used the report to rail against pro-life laws, proclaiming, imagine being that little girl while asserting that Ohio forces raped children to give birth. Okay. Um, which, again, is not true. An AOC running around saying that, you know, these endopic uh, pregnancies are, are not going to be allowed anymore and women are going to die. That's a lie. It's not true. And she could actually get people killed because she's spreading that lie. That'll be on a fake news flash here coming soon. But nonetheless, the idea that a 10-year-old being raped, being impregnated, and unable to uh, have an abortion in Ohio and having to you know, smuggle themselves into Indiana to get it done didn't really pass the smell test for a lot of people. There are a lot of people, obviously, who were gullible and just ran with it because you know they wanted to believe it. This is that confirmation bias sort of thing. Well, the Ohio Attorney General, Dave Yost, got involved because he's the Attorney General, after all, and people are like, whoa, you're going to let a 10-year-old get raped in your state and get impregnated and force them to have the baby? Shame on you. So he was asked about it. Uh, He says that there is, quote, not a whisper that a 10-year-old child was raped and impregnated in his state. There has been no request for crime lab results and that Ohio's heartbeat law would have allowed such a young girl to get an abortion anyway in the state of Ohio. So, huh, that's that's not good. It looks like we have yet another 
fake story. So Red State writes, now some on the left may try to assert that the abortion doctor in Ohio just didn't report the incident to authorities. Maybe. Red State writes something interesting, though, and we have an update on this. That dog doesn't hunt, though. Why? Because it is required by law that the rape of a minor be reported to law enforcement if they seek an abortion. So either this abortion doctor who sourced the story is lying or they broke the law. Um, that was yesterday. Any Anybody have any ideas what happened today? Hmm. The abortion doctor from Ohio at the heart of the story has now been accused of failing to report multiple underaged abortions. Uh-oh. That's not good. So maybe the story happened and the doctor refused to abide by the law. I know that's exactly what you're looking for in any kind of a medical practitioner, right? Somebody refuses to, to abide by the law. Dr. Caitlin Bernard loves the spotlight. This is PJ Media. The Indiana abortionist gets interviewed on television and in print whenever abortion laws seek to limit her big abortion business. Recently, Bernard's claim about a 10-year-old rape victim who she says came across state lines from Ohio to Indiana for an abortion went viral. And the attention that Bernard is now getting might not be the kind that she likes. Remember, this is in our state. We're, we're the state that had the uh, the local abortion doctor who kept all of those aborted fetuses in their garage. Remember that? After PJ Media fact-checked this tale and could find no corroborating evidence, the Washington Post finally caught up and found the exact same thing. Now Bernard is under fire for either making up this story or not reporting a child rape to authorities. Friendly reminder. Ohio's law would have allowed a 10-year-old who was raped and impregnated to get an abortion anyway. There was no reason for the 10-year-old to cross state lines. So why would an Indiana abortion doctor make this claim when it wouldn't have been something that was required to begin with? So now Bernard is either under fire for making up this story or not reporting a child rape to authorities, which she is required to do as a mandated reporter. Failure to do so could result in Bernard losing her medical license. She is currently being investigated by IU Health. Oh, man. Some digging into Bernard uncovered that she has been in exactly this same kind of trouble before. Indiana Right to Life, who we have interviewed on this show, audited termination of pregnancy reports that are public records in 2018 and found that nine abortion doctors allegedly failed to report underaged abortions to the health department as required by law. We have covered a couple of those stories on this show. We covered this story from 2018 on this show. 48 consumer complaints have been filed against nine Indiana abortion doctors who have allegedly failed to follow the legal reporting requirements to protect children, young children, from sex abuse. The doctors are Jeffrey Glazer, Caitlin Bernard, Cassandra Cashman, Carol Dellinger, or Dellinger, Mandy Gittler, Kathleen Glover, Martin Haskell, uh, Rasad Pasek, and Sarah Turner. They are employed at all licensed Indiana abortion facilities. Women's Med Center in Indianapolis, Clinic for Women in Indianapolis, and Planned Parenthood in Indianapolis, Lafayette, Blooming, Bloomington, and Merrillville. Some of the girls under 16 years old who had abortions that were not reported to DCS were as young as 12 and 13 years old. The alleged 48 instances of failure to report occurred since July 1st 
of 2017. The 48 consumer complaints have been filed with the Indiana Attorney General. At the time, it was Curtis Hill and the Indiana State Department of Health. The Marion, Lake, Tippecanoe, and Monroe County prosecutors have also been notified. Mm. Now, in our state, state of Indiana requires that all abortions performed on girls under the age, excuse me, birthing people under the age of 17 has to be reported to the health department. This is the same health department which has local chapters of the health department, and we've got a local health department who is basically redefining what an abortion is to go ahead and make some political case. We'll get to that here in a minute. Law enforcement uses these reports to determine if the minor was the victim of abuse or rape. Apparently, Bernard and some of her colleagues don't think it's important or necessary to make sure that girls on whom they perform abortions get justice against rapists. So again... Uh, she's likely lying. Dr. Caitlin Bernard is likely lying because a 10-year-old is not required by law to leave the state of Ohio and go to another state to get an abortion if they were raped and impregnated because Ohio allows for an abortion in that case. So there would be no legal reason whatsoever for a 10-year-old to come to Indiana. But if a 10-year-old did come to Indiana... Let's say the family was on vacation and they found out about it while in Indiana and they came to the nearest abortion clinic in Indiana. Let's just throw that scenario out there as a plausible one. She is duty bound. Dr. Caitlin Bernard is duty bound by Indiana law to report that she had a 10 year old rape victim get an abortion in her office. She failed to do so, which means she's a criminal. So at best, she's a pathological liar. At worst, she's a criminal. But I'm so glad that people don't want, you know, doctors like this, air quote doctors, uh, to be investigated or anything. At least IU Health is conducting an inquiry into all of this. I don't hold out much hope because it is IU Health after all, and I don't have much faith in them as an institution. But at least they're making the inquiry. Considering that this is a woman who has been accused of this going back to 2017, it's possible that a 10-year-old walked into her office It just wasn't legally necessary for a 10-year-old to leave the state of Ohio and come to Indiana to get an abortion if they were, in fact, raped and impregnated. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Well, we got some breaking news. want to thank an audience member for calling this in in the middle of that last segment. So just published this afternoon by Ash Show, one of my favorite uh, writers over at the Daily Wire. An illegal immigrant has been arrested for the alleged rape of that 10-year-old girl from Ohio, the one that we've been just been talking about. Now, of course, you know that Joe Biden, who made all sorts of comments about, you know, uh, restrictions to abortion and that sort of thing, He's not going to comment about this rapist being an illegal immigrant. He won't make that stretch. I wonder if Peter Ducey will ask him about that. Like, hey, you know, you got this this 10-year-old girl. You're out there talking about this story, and you're you're commenting about it. People in your administration are spreading the story everywhere. And, we, you know, now that we seem to have confirmation that it is real, but the attacker was an illegal immigrant, you care to comment on the southern border situation because he ain't going to do it. So this is a brand new story, and it, it happened today. 
A suspected illegal immigrant in Ohio has allegedly confessed to the rape of a young girl in, in a case that bears similarities to a widely reported claim about a pregnant child who traveled to Indiana for an abortion. Gershon Fuentes, 27 years old of Columbus, Ohio, was arrested late yesterday and charged with first-degree rape. Police said that he confessed to raping the child at least twice, according to the Columbia Dispatch. The outlet also noted that police were informed of the girl's pregnancy after her mother reported it to Franklin County Child Services on June 22nd. Um, Then what we end up having is we've got, um, apparently, the girl traveled to Indianapolis, got an abortion there. Doesn't appear that that was legally necessary, though, as Ohio's law would have, again, allowed her to have an abortion in the state. That doesn't mean the mom could interpret the law correctly, and the mom went to Indianapolis. Uh, So DNA from the Indianapolis clinic that did perform the abortion is now being tested to confirm if uh, Fuentes is, in fact, the the assailant here, even though he has admitted to it and the girl has identified him. Uh, Franklin County Municipal Court Judge Cynthia Ebner set bail at $2 million, saying that the suspect is a possible flight risk and danger to the child, obviously. So this is, I mean, this is, um, this is a really bizarre case. Now, it's obviously still a statistical outlier, but I, There's some things here that I think have to be addressed. One of them. Why is it that this story goes viral and then the next, basically the next day, there's an arrest and we have conclusion to the story? That's interesting. Um, Could this have happened quicker if the doctor from Indiana had reported the girl as a rape victim as is required by Indiana law and she didn't apparently? Now, if that changes, then we'll certainly certainly tell you. But as it stands now, you've got everybody, including the Washington Post, basically saying that she didn't report this thing. Just absolutely impeccable timing, don't you think? I'm not accusing anybody of anything nefarious. What, what I'm saying is, is that it seems like nobody really cared about this until it became a political issue. But will the media, will the advocates here for this young lady, will they just will they be as much of an advocate on her behalf that her attacker happened to be in the country illegally? As many rapists are. Now, we've gone over that data with you quite a bit. The number of sexual assaults that occur from people who are not American citizens is staggeringly high. So they are still continuing to gather evidence in this case. But according to the Columbia Dispatch, the guy has admitted to it on two occasions. And the girl who only recently turned 10, which means the attack and the uh, the pregnancy likely happened when she was nine. Which, of course, is traumatic in and of itself and that the attack happened to somebody that that young. Um, but also that they now have to live with what happened at the clinic, too, and everything else that kind of followed this. So now we need to, we're probably going to need to double check everything and make sure that this doctor did, in fact, withhold this information from authorities because right now there's, there's a lot of people questioning why in the world hasn't this come up? You know, when people inquired about it, including the Washington Post, there didn't appear to be any information in the, uh, the state of Indiana or in the state of Ohio about this. So it appears that that doctor, who had previously been accused of not reporting underage abortions, so she's got a pattern of this behavior, uh, may not have actually reported the, the abortion as is required by Indiana law, which, of course, would mean that their medical license um, is 
is uh, taken away. But IU Health, again, is, is doing a, an inquiry on this. But we'll see what actually comes from it. Like I said, I, I don't have a lot of faith in IU Health as an institution for these types of things. But it is important that everybody understands something, too. Just because it wasn't legally required to leave the state of Ohio, which makes the entire argument a moot point, okay, that somehow you're reducing access to an abortion, and this is an example of what Republicans are trying to do uh, to, you know, rape victims, which is obviously absurd. But you've got a doctor here who may very well have committed a form of malpractice and may be a habitual offender of that. That's the thing that needs to not get lost here. But it was not legally required for this child to leave the state of Ohio, according to the attorney general and the statutes, based on the fact that a pregnancy for a a 9- and or 10-year-old would be a danger to the health of the child. Not the baby in the stomach, but the 9- or 10-year-old. So very, very bizarre story. Thank you so much for the uh, caller who called up and mentioned that this had been published this afternoon at the Daily Wire. I appreciate that. I did not have that. So we have a we have an update on the story for you. MSC News Time is 431. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City, rbcarcompany.com. All right, LeBron James trying to clear up his mess from yesterday. For those of you who listened to the show yesterday, uh, LeBron James has a a show on HBO in which he and other celebrities talk about stuff and offer up very, very dumb things to say. And one of them was that Brittany Griner basically was, you know, betrayed by America and should consider just not coming back to the United States, maybe even stay in Russia. Keep in mind, Brittany Griner, uh, she had hash oil with her when she traveled to Russia. She plays in a league in Russia during the offseason for the WNBA. She's done it for many years, so she knows the laws over there. Uh, she got caught with this hash oil. It's highly illegal in Russia. As a result, she's been prosecuted for it. Uh, there is no doubt that Russia trying to leverage the release of a prisoner in the United States and the situation in Ukraine is adding to her ordeal. But nonetheless, she's pled guilty. It is a whole thing. She is guilty. Um, She did break the law there. And there's a lot of people who felt that the Biden administration kind of abandoned her. And apparently LeBron is one of them. Of course, LeBron really, really liked Biden, hated Trump, wanted Biden. Now, all of a sudden, you've got LeBron James saying that she should probably just stay over there. Well, now, as we obviously pointed out yesterday and, and many others have pointed out, the idea that that she would stay abroad where she got arrested and has been so mistreated, as people like LeBron have been saying, why would she want to come back to the United States where what she did is perfectly legal where she lives? It doesn't make any sense. Like I said, he's a pseudo-intellectual. He's not a very bright guy, but he surrounds himself with yes people who just nod and tell them that he's intelligent. LeBron James has attempted to walk back his recent comments about Brittany Griner and America, The uh, star recently went mega viral when discussing the WNBA star imprisoned in Russia on The Shop, and he foolishly said, now how can she feel like America has her back? I would be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America? She wasn't arrested here. She can do her hash oil activities here and still play in the WNBA. 
Brittany Griner has been known to engage in recreational drug use since before she went to Baylor. Like this, this is not somebody who has hidden this from anybody. So it's not real surprising that eventually she got popped with something. Now, up until this point, she's been pretty good at either adhering to the local laws or hiding it. In a Tuesday night tweet, LeBron told his followers, my comments on the shop regarding Brittany Griner wasn't knocking our beautiful country. <clears throat> Anybody believe that? That's like Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, then being asked why he t- took a knee and saying, I'm not going to celebrate a racist country. And then telling everybody that I didn't, I didn't uh, trash the United States and that my taking a knee wasn't a protest of America. That's kind of like that. And then everybody gaslighting you and trying to tell you that it wasn't about the flag. It wasn't about, it wasn't about America at all. Really? Because he said so. The day, the day that he took his first knee, Colin Kaepernick told you that. So this is like LeBron doing the same thing. <laughs> uh, remember, he's a super intelligent guy. That uh, <laughs> my comments on this shop regarding Brittany Griner wasn't knocking our beautiful country. I was simply saying how she's probably feeling emotionally, along with so many other emotions, thoughts, etc. Inside that cage she's been in for over 100 plus days. Long story short, hashtag bring her home. Hey. You know who's done a heck of a lot less than Brittany Griner and has spent time behind bars for a heck of a lot more than 100 days? A lot of people who just walked into the Capitol and didn't do anything else. You haven't said anything about them. In fact, you hate their guts, LeBron. She actually broke the law, a law that she knew she was breaking. She's got busted. Just got busted. What about the people who moseyed into the Capitol 40 minutes after people actually engaged in any kind of property damage or whatever, what have you? What about them? What about the FBI informant who gave testimony to the FBI that the Oath Keepers and the Kansas City Proud Boys were preventing people from causing damage at the Capitol and were actually dispersing the crowd and were working with police to disperse anybody who was out of control? And the FBI refused and still locked them up anyway. How about how about that story? I don't even think LeBron knows anything about that. So anyway, um, this is David Hookstead over at the Daily Caller. I'm pretty sure LeBron meant emotionally alone and not emotionally along because that makes no sense. But either way, this tweet doesn't help the situation. He's essentially trying to still argue that Griner might be justified in feeling like she doesn't want to return to America. What did America do to her? Did America have the laws that didn't allow her to engage in her recreational drug use? Is it America that arrested her? Is it America that put her behind bars for over 100 days? Is it America who tried her? Is it America that used her as a bargaining chip to get one of their people, an actual international criminal, out of jail? Is it America who did all of that? No, it was just America who didn't, what, go to war for Brittany Griner? You you imagine how angry people in this country would be if we went to war with Russia over Brittany Griner? Knowing that she broke the law? Now, it'd be one thing if she didn't do it, And Russia was just like, well, if you're going to take Ukraine's side, then we're just going to go ahead and keep one of your citizens. That would be an entirely different scenario. 
But that's not what happened. <laughs> I mean, this guy, every time he gets into any of this stuff, he just he says something monumentally stupid. And I know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him what I think. It doesn't matter to him what any of you think. The only thing that matters to LeBron James is that the Chinese who call him the N-word still give him lots of money. That's all he cares about. As long as Chinese people who call him the N-word with regularity give him millions and millions of dollars, then he's okay. And you don't give him that much money, so you don't really matter all that much. But there's enough waves made here that he felt the need. He felt the need to come out there and go, I wasn't trash in America, guys. Yeah, you you kind of were. I mean, I get what you were trying to say. It just didn't make any sense what you were trying to say. And that's why people were confused about what it was you were trying to say. He said, I asked the question, yes, where is Brittany Griner going to go? She's not going to stay in Russia. Duh. So she can't return to the United States. Where is she going to go? Amsterdam. That's the only place that I could possibly think of is Amsterdam. I don't know if that would be a good move for her or not. Not really sure. But nonetheless, he's tried to clean clean up his, his mistake, but people are not buying it. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Hang out on the live stream. Are people still talking about their uh, taco toppings? That was a whole thing. If people are asking, where's Ray Epps? Hey, Ray Epps hasn't shown up in the January 6th show trials yet, has he? <laughs> still waiting. Oh, she could go to Cuba. There is that. Does Cuba allow hash oil? I don't know. Somebody go to Cuba and find out for us. We'll never hear from them again. But go to Cuba and find out for us if they allow hash oil so at least we could say that we tried. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. We have landed tentatively on the possibility that Brittany Griner could go to North Korea. It's possible. They don't they don't like gay people there, but they love basketball. Uh and that might be enough. It might I don't know if they love women's basketball. So there's that. They might ask her to dunk, and when she can't, they might, you know, do what North Koreans do to people in their country. What? I know she was she's six nine or something. I know she can, but can she make it look good though? Eh. No. That's yeah, even Ben begrudgingly said no. Yes. <laughs> I would take Spud Webb over Brittany Griner in a slam dunk contest. And and I would not even flinch at that. If you don't know who Spud Webb is, you need to look him up. All right. <clears throat> uh, tough times for Silicon Valley. Google slows the hiring process and now tells staff to work with, quote, more hunger. All right. Interesting phraseology here. Google CEO recently told staff in a memo that the company will be slowing hiring and be more entrepreneurial. Google needs to be more entrepreneurial. You mean as as opposed to just like acquiring every company that you want? Okay. So TechCrunch is reporting that Google recently uh, told staff in a company-wide email that the firm will be slowing down hiring on in current staff would need to be more, quote, entrepreneurial and work with, quote, more hunger. I found this to be a really interesting way of phrasing this. Uh, You need to work with more hunger. Now, I think what they're basically saying is you all are too comfortable and lazy now, and now you need to actually start working, which if 
you know, anything about Google as a company, that's probably not going to fly with a lot of the folks that are over there. Not exactly known for its hard work ethic. It's known for being a very comfortable and fun place to work. So it'll be interesting to see what, what this transition looks like, considering nobody wants to be a hard worker anymore with these uh, younger folks who are in the, the tech bubble. But I, I thought this was interesting just because, you know, you, you had when you think of Google, I think of international conspiracies because it's Google. And you've got Google working with places like Davos, World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, things like that. And you've got was it the World Health Organization, I believe, published this this whole article about how hungry people are more productive. And then two days later, they then said it was satire. It's not satire. It is not satire. It was not satire. That has been fact-checked and debunked. It was not a satirical article. And now you've got Google. This is... It's not Tuesday, but I'm putting my tinfoil hat on. But now you've got Google telling their employees that they need to work with more hunger. Maybe that means less snacks. I don't know. Uh, so the CEO stated the firm would also consolidate where investments overlap and streamline its current working processes. He uh, also appeared to have a singular sentiment for employees. Quote, work harder. Well, look, I mean, you created an environment of entitlement. I don't know how else to say this. I want to. I never really did talk about this. I talked about it like on social media posts and and things like that, but I never talked about it on the radio show. And I'm I'm sorry, but I was laughing hysterically when Elon Musk fired a bunch of people a couple of weeks ago. Were you guys laughing at that? I thought that was the funniest thing ever. Did you laugh at that, Ben? No, Ben's trying to pretend that he cares about people having work. Look, here's the thing: you trash your boss, and then he's like, "All right, bye." <laughs> he he wanted everybody to come back to work in the building, and a bunch of people were were pitching a fit about it, and they didn't want to come back into the office. And he said, look, we have an office here, and you need to come work at Tesla and do your job here at Tesla. And they didn't want to do it, and they were complaining about him publicly. And so if you complain about your boss publicly, your boss can fire you. Got news for you. You, you don't have – there is a limit to the free speech that you have there. I don't want to say you don't have free speech, but there's a limit to the free speech that you have there because you can't – you can't damage your employer online with your First Amendment rights and then expect there to not be any repercussions. For example, if I were to hop onto social media today and I were to tell all of you that my program director or my my general manager had done X, Y, and Z and they're filth and they're this and they're that, which is not true about either of them, by the way. They're great people. But then I'm not just saying that because – they're well aware of the, the complaints that I have because I say them to their face. But to all of you, if I were to just do this, I would be damaging the company. And then it, potentially, because we're hiring again, right? You've heard the Federated Media hiring things. You can go to the Federated Media website, look at the job opportunities that are there. And this could potentially damage the company. And any you know employees who work here could cause this inter-office angst. It could also cause an issue with recruiting new talent going forward, and they have an absolute right to take steps to protect their business as a result of of me going online and publicly trashing them. So when these employees went online and publicly trashed Elon Musk, and he's like, okay, you don't work here anymore. And then watching even members of the media absolutely lose their minds over this, I thought was one of the funniest things ever because Elon Musk just doesn't care. I think that Donald Trump and Elon Musk need to chill out with one another. 
as I've told you before, even if you don't see eye to eye on a lot, but you're allies in certain spheres, I think you need to put a lot of that garbage aside and embrace each other for the uh, the bigger fight. And Trump and Musk are actually allies. They just, again, this is rich people problems. Like there's this weird like peeing contest that happens with wealthy people and they just start competing with one another. It's the reason that Jeff Bezos and Donald Trump don't get along. Jeff Bezos is not a liberal. Jeff Bezos is, he's a little bit more on the political left than he used to be, but he used to be a well-known libertarian, and he's moved to the left, but he's not what you would call a crazy liberal, even though he owns the Washington Post. He doesn't run the day-to-day operations over there. He's just trying to make money. There are liberals who own conservative outlets. It's very common in news media. So, you know, it's, I think he gets unfairly lumped in with all of that. Not that I like everything that Jeff Bezos does. I certainly do not. But Jeff Bezos and Donald Trump don't like each other, not because of the Washington Post. They don't like each other because they're two rich guys competing. And Donald Trump and Elon Musk, I think it's the same thing. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos don't much like each other either. There's this rivalry that happens in, in those spheres so it's almost like if, uh, you know, you do one job at your company and you got somebody else who does the exact same job, you're kind of competing with one another. And sometimes that can form an animus. And that seems to be what's going on there. But when when you have, you know, an opportunity to trash your boss publicly, uh, I wouldn't do it unless you're willing to walk away. Well, they did. He fired them and then they lost their their collective minds and watching everybody else. You can't fire these people just because they they have free speech. What are you talking about? That doesn't exist. That's not a real thing. You can't just trash your boss and expect to collect a paycheck again. So I don't know what exactly is happening at Google and why this is a thing and why they're trying to change their culture over there. Um, I don't think that it speaks a, uh, speaks very well of Google uh, because you've got a lot of people now complaining that they're being told basically to buck up and be productive when they've created this entitlement mentality over at Google just like they did in various other places, too. So it is interesting. Maybe there is a boomerang that's happening, and we're starting to see companies, even like Google, try to tell their employees, like, hey, it's it's time to actually, you know, start being productive and work hard. You're not entitled to your job, and we're going to take less breaks, and, you know, maybe we're not going to have the... Didn't Google... Was it Google that pulled out the bidets like a couple of months ago? Like they pulled the bidets out of the public restroom or something like that? Maybe. Maybe the soft, squishy tech types are starting to realize that they need to be a little bit smidgen more blue-collar. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3 Michigan's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I also want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend, Warsaw, rbcarcompany.com. All right. This, uh, I, we have to, again, talk about Uvalde. And I, I don't know why this particular story continues to get so bad I, you know, there's even articles now saying that they don't think that anybody's actually going to be held liable for what happened there. It is, it's maddening when you watch this video where you watch officers in the hallway who we originally were told were not in the hallway. We watch these officers in the hallway not react at all as gunshots are being fired into children. 
And in the midst of all of that, watching them actually get hand sanitizer off of the wall to put on their hands. It, I don't know that I have ever been more disappointed in a law enforcement entity in my entire life. And for the record, I know many police officers who feel exactly the same way. A lot of them, even though I've expressed great anger on this show before, a lot of those officers that I know um, have been straight up angry and with good reason. This is unacceptable. And I know that most of you understand that it's unacceptable. For those of you who have not seen the video, it is it's awful. Now, you're not seeing anything graphic, but you're hearing shots being fired, and you're watching police officers in the hallway not doing anything, hiding behind a ballistic shield, which you were originally told they didn't have. And then it, the most disgusting part, and this is the one that people have kind of focused on, is the the officer just reaching across. They have, like, this uh, wall dispenser for hand sanitizer and just grabbing some hand sanitizer and rubbing it into their arms and hands and stuff like that. It's like, well, you know, it's, what well, I don't know, you got to make sure that you have the germs gone while the shooter is murdering children and a couple of teachers. It is just one of those things that is, it, it's so outrageous to see, honestly. It really is outrageous to see this stuff. Whether you watch it or not, I will leave that up to you. But, you know, it had to be discussed and at least talked about a little bit because it's just more, there's more to it. I don't want to devote half an hour to it because it's going to drain me. I'll be perfectly honest. It'll drain me just talking about this story and as bad as it is. I will put the video in the daily show prep. And honestly, people are watching this. The commentary on it has been somewhat low. Just because people are looking at it and they're not seeing officers who are concerned. They're not seeing people who are doing their job. They completely seem detached from the situation. Meanwhile, you got parents outside going ballistic, getting maced, getting handcuffed, getting thrown on the ground. Uh, You've got police officers being disarmed by their own fellow officers from the same department because they're trying to go in and rescue their families. And inside, they're getting hand sanitizer off of the wall? Who even thinks about that? Who is sitting there in a tactical situation where kids are being shot and be like, oh, hand sanitizer? Like, who does that? And the time, just the time that passes with gunshots during that time and no reaction whatsoever. Um, Really disgusting behavior. But there's been some articles that have been written about this and and essentially, you know, they're saying that there's all this bureaucracy and these laws that are in place that nobody may actually nobody may actually be held accountable here. But somebody somebody somewhere needs to be. And I I'm not convinced that there is a criminal element, but as I've said before, you've got the situation with Scott Peterson In Florida, the school resource officer refused to come to the aid of those kids and then, you know, told officers who were arriving on scene that they needed to back up and take cover when they could have gone in and and saved lives. You know, he got charged. 
it's a different state, but maybe maybe there's something that could work that way. I, I don't know. Speaking of disappointments, Joe Biden has responded to the news of the record high inflation rate, 9.1% for the month of June. We talked about this earlier today. He has dismissed it and said that the uh, the inflation rate was out of date. Well, that was for the entire month of June, dude. I what? What do you what do you it's no, from June 2021 to June last month, which ended 13 days ago. There's 9%, 9.1% increase. So he responded to news of inflation reaching a fresh four-decade high by arguing that the report is outdated. Is every single report with a new 40-year high under your administration outdated? Is every single one? I mean, it's outdated by 13 days. Technically, I guess he's accurate. The consumer price index rose 9.1% between June of 2021 and June of 2022, according to the report this morning from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which exceeded the Dow Jones estimate of 8.8%. While Biden acknowledged that the inflation reading was unacceptably high, he deflected by asserting that the, the data was also out of date. Excuse me. It's 13 days old. I... I don't I don't know what to say. This is why you've got a liberal group that's now been organized, very influential one too by the way. It's now been organized to prevent him from being the nominee going forward. We've had I've been back to work. This is day number 3 and every single day have I have I not had a new story about how the Democrats don't want him as the nominee. Every single day. I've only been back for 3 days. All new stories, all new people calling for it. They, you asked for him. You asked for him. And you Mitt Romney's out there too. You asked for him. This is all your fault. It's not my fault. It's not many other people's fault. It's your fault. It's outdated. (laughs) It's last month's data. It's outdated. Wow. So what is the solution then? I suppose that's a good question. Uh, if you're going to look at a solution to inflation, why not look at Biden's economic advisor, right? After all, Brian Deese is the guy. So what does he say that we should do? Well, Brian Deese, the economic advisor to former Vice President Joe Biden, basically, basically remember, this is the guy that told you the, about the liberal world order being at stake. This is, that's this guy, right? He's like, well, people have to understand that this is about the liberal world order, and we're just going to have to accept, you know, all of this stuff because of uh, Russia and Ukraine and everything else, right? So <laughs> just keep that in perspective as you hear, hear what I have to say about this. He was asked about inflation going above 9% in June, and the definition of insanity can be found in what he said about the solution, according to twitchy.com. Uh, the guy basically says, yeah, uh, this is a perfect opportunity for Congress to, sp- to pass more spending. <laughs> what? So the solution to record inflation is for Congress to pass more spending? Which is mostly responsible for the inflation anyway. Wow. More spending. This is 
This is the economic advisor to Joe Biden. This is the guy who's supposed to be the number one econ guy in the executive branch of government to advise the person in the Oval Office to help guide him in these issues. And he says, nah, man, we need to spend more money. Perfect opportunity for Congress to to spend more money right now. So you got Joe Biden denying that we're at record inflation because the data is 13 days old and it's out of date. And you have his top economic advisor saying that we need to do the exact thing that will make inflation worse to fix inflation. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Well, as we mentioned earlier, the alleged Hunter Biden hack from 4chan ended up being real. It's not fake. It's real. Uh, the, the iCloud hack of Hunter Biden is legitimate. The videos, the pictures, the documents, the text messages and the emails and things like that uh, will have to be, you know, independently confirmed. But if they've got all of these private videos of his and all of these private photos of his, then I don't see any reason to doubt the text messages. I don't see any reason to doubt him calling his dad pedo Peter in his uh, in his phone. I, this this appears to be completely and totally legitimate. Now, for those of you who are looking at this and going, well, how do you know all of that? Because, well, the videos and the pictures are everywhere. They're all over the place. And I got news for you. They're not pleasant. So understand that when you go and you see some of these some of these images and videos, there's usually a content warning on those posts because Hunter Biden is Hunter Biden. Um, Elon Musk re- reacted to this in a very interesting way. So he posted a meme, which has a guy who's got a head rig with a million different cameras on it. And, uh, <laughs> and Elon Musk posted this meme, which says Hunter Biden, every time he buys crack and hookers, because basically every time Hunter Biden buys crack and hookers, Hunter Biden records the entire encounter. Now, I don't know why he records the entire encounter. Perhaps it's a way to protect himself from because he is who he is. Maybe maybe it's a way of protecting himself. I don't know. But Elon Musk posted this meme and he said a plus for cinematography. And he's referring to the fact that Hunter Biden has consistently got himself in frame and he's doing various things. And um, oftentimes, by the way, he doesn't have his clothes on. He's got some weird things that he does with uh, with it's almost like investigation boards and stuff like that, that a lot of people are are saying could be a, you know, maybe a potential sign for mental illness or some kind of obsessive behavior about people. And it's just bizarre stuff, you know. You're you're dealing with somebody who's clearly clearly in a dark place. There's no doubt about that. I don't know why this stuff is still in their iCloud account. I don't know. Is I, I haven't had an iPhone in a long time. But when I did, like I didn't automatically send everything to the iCloud and I would routinely delete stuff. Is that like not a thing? Do people just upload all of their drug addled videos and things like that now and just not not worry about it? I I don't know, strange. Like every time these celebrities get their accounts hacked and 
you know, all of these things come out about these celebrities because it was in their personal account. I'm always surprised that they actually allowed them to be stored in the cloud. But, you know, it's maybe I just know more about it than the average person. And and that's why I take the precautions that I take, I suppose. But this is. It's legit. And a lot of the things that you're going to hear about Hunter Biden, we went over 11 scandals, new scandals with Hunter Biden yesterday, 11 new ones. And the news media is not covering any of them. And they can run around and tell you that maybe this is legitimate, maybe this isn't legitimate all they want. It's legit. These are not deep fakes, okay? These are real. So when Elon Musk posted this meme, which was obviously poking fun at the fact that every time Hunter Biden gets crack and prostitutes, he films every single minute of that encounter. Stephanie Rule from MSNBC, she responded to Elon Musk. And she said, imagine the positive impact you could have on the world if you used the extraordinary amount of influence and power you have to spread decency, kindness, and positivity. Now, I want to remind everybody that Elon Musk is the guy who gave the Ukraine internet access when Russia cut it all off. When the Western world wasn't doing anything for Ukraine, it was Elon Musk who turned the lights on. When Puerto Rico was destroyed by a hurricane, who provided the energy and the power production for Puerto Rico to rebuild? Who did that? Elon Musk did. Friendly reminder that whether you like Elon Musk or not, Elon Musk has done a lot of good in this world. A lot. And he's continuing to try and do a lot more. I don't agree with the man on everything. But he's a decent human being who's trying his best with what he has to make the world a little bit of a better place. And possibly to enslave us in the future. But right now, he's trying to make the world a better place. So when you have somebody like Stephanie Rule, who has contributed exactly zero to society, trying to chastise Elon Musk, who last weekend did more to benefit mankind than she will in her entire life, telling him that he needs to spread decency, kindness, and positivity simply because he made fun of Hunter Biden. He responded. Now, keep in mind, Stephanie Rule works for MSNBC. Imagine the positive impact that you could have on the world if you used the extraordinary amount of influence and power you have to spread decency, kindness, and positivity. And Elon Musk responded with, imagine if MSNBC did that. (laughs) This guy's a master troll. I mean, he is. He's a master troll. Honestly, I mean, you you could argue that he is, he's potentially even better than Trump. He's a master troll. All he did was make fun of Hunter Biden and the fact that Hunter Biden is constantly reporting, uh, recording himself with prostitutes and doing drugs and these weird ramblings into the camera. And then you have her trying to shame him for not being a decent human being working for MSNBC. And his response is, God, imagine if you guys did that. How, how would the world be a much better place if you guys at MSNBC just exercise some common decency, kindness and positivity? What could you do? How much better could you make the world, MSNBC, if you just did that? I mean, it's a spectacular own. I 
Whether she read it or not, I don't know. I hope she did. I certainly hope she did because he just he obliterated her. But you need to know that all of this stuff that we've been talking about over the past uh, couple of days here since I got back from vacation and everything else that everybody else has discussed over the past week, it's all real. It's um, This isn't a situation where we've got, you know, unsubstantiated rumors that were never materialized from 4chan. I told you this before. 4chan is a lot of things. 4chan really hates child predators. 4chan has set their sights on the Biden family as being child predators. And we know that Hunter Biden has engaged in child predatory behavior. Uh, We know that that has happened. We also know that Joe Biden has been accused by members of the Biden family of doing the same thing. To what extent they do this, I don't need to speculate, but I can just tell you the accusations. And as a result, 4chan, who has hunted down many reclusive and hidden child predators, they decided to hack Hunter Biden's iCloud account. They got in. The media tried to tell you that they couldn't substantiate any of it. We don't know if any of it's real. We've been down that road before with his laptop. It's all real. And I, I don't see any reason why some of the text messages that were leaked and why some of the phone logs and the the uh, contact information that was in Hunter Biden's phone I don't see why any of that would not be authentic when you have so much so much photos and video evidence that came from that account it wouldn't make a lot of sense for that to be doctored and the other stuff to be legitimate so it all appears to be completely and totally legit which means you're going to continue to hear about some of this stuff with this leak for probably weeks and then eventually months maybe years down the line will drag the media with us kicking and screaming to finally acknowledge that this was all real and that joe biden knew an awful lot about what was going on and may have may have engaged in criminal behavior got more coming up news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel mnc news time 532 time to check out impress jewelry creations creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime I'm working on a story, getting a guest on the show. Uh, they appear to be receptive about it, which involves uh, auto sears and a YouTuber and the ATF and the ATF making up their own rules and somebody facing you know many years in prison for something they didn't do. I'm working on that story, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Dr. Sherry O'Donnell's people uh, has, has uh, reached out again. Uh, to try and come back on the show. So pleased to hear about that. Tudor Dixon in Michigan uh, for the gubernatorial has now, she's been on my show twice. She is now the front runner. Some of my audience wants to give me credit for Tudor Dixon being the front runner. I told you before, pay attention to her. I have never seen a more prepared rookie candidate. Honestly, I mean that. I sincerely mean that. Tudor Dixon is working her tail off in the state of Michigan to get the nomination for the Republicans against uh, Gretchen Whitmer. So a lot of a uh, lot of good things happening on the Michigan side of the border that will be coming up for you guys here in the next couple of weeks. Senator Daines has introduced a bill. Now, this is Steve Daines from Montana. He is a Republican. He's introduced a bill this week that would allow for those who live in a concealed carry or a constitutional carry state to then carry their concealed firearms in other states. The legislation first obtained by the Daily Caller is titled the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act. The bill would ensure a Montana resident can legally conceal carry guns 
into a state where the state's own residents can conceal carry. So this is not going to be a situation where Indiana has concealed carry, constitutional carry, where you can go into Illinois. But Montana has constitutional carry. Indiana has constitutional carry. This would allow an Indiana resident to constitutionally carry in Montana because both states allow constitutional carry. Okay, But this would not infringe upon any of the laws that are in place in places like Illinois or, or what have you. We're, we're getting there, though. One day will force them to uh, to abide by the Constitution. This bill also allows for individuals with state-issued concealed carry licenses uh, to conceal a gun in any other state as long as the permit holder follows the laws of that state. Now, this is where we, we start having some fun, okay? So in this bill, if you come from a state with constitutional carry, you may constitutionally carry in another state that has constitutional carry. In addition to that, if you have a concealed carry license slash permit, so I know some of you get really irritated about how I phrase that because every state phrases it differently. If you have a concealed carry license, so for example, if you have an Indiana license, you would then be able to carry concealed in any other state and you don't have to worry about a reciprocity list. You just have to abide by the laws of that state. Interesting stuff, right? Danes is concealed carry Reciprocity Act would also allow those who live in a constitutional carry state to carry in other states. The right to keep and bear arms is guaranteed under our Constitution. No state should be able to take that right away. Agree. Pretty pretty basic. My bill would ensure that every state honors Montanans' right to self-defense in the Second Amendment through concealed carry reciprocity. That's what he told the Daily Caller News Foundation, who again got early access to this legislation. He also believes it uh, similar to how a driver's license works across state lines. A concealed carry permit should do the exact same thing. We've talked about this a lot, in particular with truckers. So you have uh, you know truckers out there they they run into this this problem a, a lot. So there's been some some movement uh, over the years to get at least you know truckers who desperately need firearms to protect themselves. They they deal with some very dangerous situations to be able to carry everywhere in all 50 states um, if you're a truck driver. This just takes it to the next level. Like a driver's license, if you have a concealed carry license, then you should be able to conceal carry everywhere. That's simple. You just have to respect that state's laws. Love this. I absolutely love this. Is it going to get anywhere with this with this uh, Congress? No. But it's been introduced, which means... Midterms, right? Depending on how the procedural votes play out here, this thing can get re-upped in the next Congress. Could potentially get be something that uh, that gets through. Now, depending on how things shake out in the Senate, um, you're probably not going to have enough votes to override a presidential veto on this thing. But nonetheless, that isn't a reason not to introduce something. You got to let your constituents know that you're fighting for them, even if it doesn't have any chance of passing right now. You've set the stage. And as a result, you get more people on board. Maybe the law needs to be looked at, tweaked a little bit, that sort of thing. Maybe you need to whip some votes. And as the midterms and then, again, the next election, which would be the presidential election in 2024, comes around, that one looks really favorable for Republicans on the Senate side of things. And if what we're thinking is going to happen in the midterms here with the House, we could be looking at the possibility in the next uh, you know, couple of years, we could really overhaul 
the gun laws in this country to actually be in line with the Second Amendment. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. See, some of the stuff that we have for tomorrow... Uh, We've got another school board refusing to allow a parent to read directly from material given to their kids in classrooms. Why? Oh, because there's laws that prevent you from doing that. Those darn decency laws. They don't even see the irony on that. So we've got that. We've got a bunch of other stuff as well for tomorrow. I'm still working on a a couple of stories to uh, to bring through as well. Some local, some not so local. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a pretty good end of the week, the last back uh, half of this week here, but... Um, there is a social media law that I want you to pay attention to. We're going to talk about this tomorrow, and I think it's going to scare you. The things that it could do for people on social media are very, very scary, and it's something that I think could be coming to the United States in the near future. It's not an American proposal, But it is something that I think will impact Americans in the near future. And I have no doubt that there are people in Congress right now who want to see a scary dystopian piece of legislation like this pass. I will tell you all about it tomorrow. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. Make sure you listen to Michiana's Morning News tomorrow morning. And, of course, go to rumble.com slash Casey the host and the new website, btmedia.com. Dot news for the conservative news aggregator show prep podcast and more. We'll see you tomorrow.